spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs of this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys and the end spoken label back in the house on sunday afternoon we're over to i think it's yorkshire today and i could be wrong with this one because the lady in question is a lovely lady and i know her from coming to me the night speak easy i co room with steve and amanda because she took care of the first time she came today, Mary, Mary, Mary Cunningham. She, re- she went to the stage and read out two poems about Stratford. Now, anybody that knows me knows I'm a Stratfordtonian. So it's like, to find out, I've got a fellow writer who was originally from Stratford, but not now. It's brilliant. So I thought we had to get her on eventually. So, Mary, for people who don't know you, would you like to first of all introduce yourself and tell people where you originally come from and what starts off your writing? Yeah, hi everyone. Hi, I'm Mary. Uh, Andy's nicely introduced me. Thanks so much. Yeah, I grew up in, in Stratford in Manchester. Um, spent all my childhood there. Love Stratford. I've got an affinity with it. I think it's because I played out there so much as a kid and I've had so many happy memories of uh, Stratford that I still find it coming up in the poetry. But, um, and, and it's where I suppose I first learned to love poetry uh, through going to the library. My mum would um, take us to the library and get books out. You know, we weren't very rich, but she, we, there were lots of good books at the at the library. And was it Lost Up Library, actually, Andy? And um, Oh, Lost Up Library. Blimey. Wow. <laughs> I, I first got, like, into poetry collections. And I remember reading somebody called Hilaire Belloc. He might not be known by that many, but he was a poet in the 40s, 50s, earlier maybe. But he wrote that poem, Matilda, and I can still remember some of the lines off by heart because I just had to read it and learn it in the library. Matilda told such dreadful lies. She makes one gasp and stretch one's eyes. And I think it was one of those that it told a story. It had loads of rhyme and rhythm in it, but it was a, it was narration and it was entertaining and it was, you know, it captured me. So it was that. And then, of course, at school, you know, you go to school and you, you, you get introduced to English and write books by people who are dead. And you think, but sometimes, it, you know, just it spoke to you. And these people were dead for like years ago, hundreds of years ago. So I found the whole thing fascinating that somebody from hundreds of years ago could actually speak to me today. And so even if you're not with the person, the fact that somebody's writing on a page could connect with you was absolutely fascinating. So 
yeah, sorry, I've, I've divulged already. I was, I'm from Stratford, I'm from Manchester, I love it. And that's how I learned poetry from being in those streets playing out. I think that's how it happened. Brilliant. Yeah, obviously, like I said, people obviously want to hear Richard from Manchester nowadays. Obviously, like I said, I think you're, you're Yorkshire based nowadays, aren't you? So I know you moved away some time no, ago. No, no. Oh. I was born and bred in, in Manchester. My mum and dad are from Ireland. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry, my fault. Yeah. I'm getting completely yeah, yeah. mixed up here, so it's typical me that. So, yeah, right, so I thought, so, all right, your family's from Ireland originally, aren't they? So, which yeah, part of Ireland are your family's from? Oh, right from the West Galway. So, they they came over from farms, you know, you have, they had loads of kids in farms, they didn't have enough jobs to feed everyone, and lots of people emigrated, it's the story of the Irish. And, yeah, they came over when they were 17, and they were from uh, the villages next door, they knew each other before they came over, but it was kind of like my mum decided to leave the village and dad was her boyfriend, but she was leaving and uh, she got on the train and the next thing his mum packed him up and made him go after her. So they ended up dating and courting in the Sharrocks Club in Manchester and ended up living in Levenshume and around about until they eventually settled in Stratford. And then that's when we came along, four of us, me and three brothers. Oh, wow. Oh, brilliant. Like I said, obviously you're writing, you said, well, I know it's come obviously from the time, like you said, you've, I think you've, Look things, haven't you? Always had experience of love of writing, haven't you? And it looks like yeah, it's you've, you, you've took your time with some things, haven't you? Doing things a bit oh, differently, so I have took my time. I mean, you know, I've, I've loved writing, I've written all my life, but I've also been I don't know, I felt like I was I've been on the wrong path in a way, but I felt like I needed to strike out my independence, earn my own money, you know, do do stuff like that, and I always put that first. And it's only later on that I've sort of thought, no, 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 no. And, and my destiny is to write. I, I love it. It's effortless when I sit down and try to write something. It or, or just read anything about the poetry scene or turn up at one of your nights and hear what other people are up to. I'm just in my element. It's just where I was meant to be. So I finally, you know, allowed that in and let me do it. I think it was because it, it didn't make any money. I didn't do it first. <laughs> yeah. I've I can, yeah, I've learned that as well, so... It took me much later in life to realise I wanted to do that myself and I've not made much money in poetry. I've made more music on my music. I'm more money in my music and I'm not I'm not really a trained musician, so that makes it more fun, really, doesn't it? So yeah, now, now I'm really glad it doesn't make any money because I think I don't want it to be what I love, be corrupted by money. So it's absolutely, I adore it. I love it. You know, it's just one of the things I like doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can certainly see, like, obviously, like I said, we've both has been, obviously, of a, Vintage, and I like that word vintage more, and that's all I'm going to say. But um, you've had you've had a bit of success, really. Because I can see you've had a few bits come up this well in this past year alone. Where I want to ask you about a couple of specific things. Where you yeah. you've been selected, you were selected, weren't you, for the 2021-2002 cohort of the Writing West Midlands 204 program. Yeah. Now, can you tell us a bit about that then? Because that sounds quite interesting. Sure, yeah, right? so Writing West Midlands are a really good uh, literary agency in, in based in Birmingham, um, support, and they you know, represent the whole of the West Midlands and they're arts council funded. And they each year they have this like application process where you can apply to become one of their new cohort uh, of developing writers. And they help you, mentor you, um, invite you to lots of events, you know, uh, and and, and help you network with a range of other poets and people in the literary scene, publishers, agents, etc., and, and help you get a bit of a start, really, if you've not managed to do that so far. You know, some people might go down the MA route. Some people just get published and get an agent and get on getting that way. And this is a kind of a developing mentorship program to try and support emerging 
writers, I would call it. And I think it's, I applied for it, but it took me many years to do anything about my poetry or apply anywhere. It, you know, I've been writing for 20 years, but I never pursued publication or anything like that. And so something happened about a few years ago, I got ill and I changed my perspective on everything. And I decided to just do the things I love while I've still got the time. So I've started to, you know, bring my poems out into the, the wilderness, really. And that's when I met you guys in Stretford. Ah, oh, right. So we were, I, ne I never knew that, John. So we, we were your, what, we brought your poetry and virginity to yeah, the no, other time. You, oh, I never knew that. <laughs> word. I mean, I had, I had tried a few things. I've gone down to like the Poetry Cafe in London. You know, when you get on a train and you go to London and you go to this Betterton Street, I think it is, in Covent Garden. And you yeah, see, yeah, yeah. people turn up from all over the country, <sighs> nervous as hell. And they just read their spoken word. And then they get back on a train and go back to the, you know, provinces. And it, it was a way for me to just have a go at doing it. And I, and I found that I liked it. So over the years, I went there a couple of times, but I never really took it seriously. And then I started after this illness, taking myself and it more seriously. And that's when I was working in Manchester and, and heard about Speakeasy from Esther Kosh, as we, a friend of, of mine. And Yeah, I love, I love Esther. I love yeah. Esther. And obviously people would know, obviously, like you're you're good friends of Esther's mum, so as you told me off mic before, which I didn't know actually. So like I said, so so they introduced me to Stretford Sit Club and yourselves, and I fell in love with it. And you guys, because you're just so supportive and you know um, important in the in the poetry scene in Manchester. And um, I love all the people that go. I love the the, the tribe that we've got and the way that we support each other developing our work and and reading out loud. Um, so I love that. And but I've also Andy always loved the written word. I love, you know, crafting a poem on a page, spending time. Sometimes I've just finished a poem yesterday that literally it took me 10 years to finish. I've never, ever been able to finish it. <sighs> yesterday I was on cloud nine because I knew I'd got it. And one of the strange things happened to me when happens to me anyway, when I finish a piece and I know it's finished, I start I involuntarily cry. It just happens. And I go, oh my God, that means I've got it. Because that that's my mark and I can't make that happen do you know what I mean I can't make that happen so it's kind of cool when you've worked on something for 10 years it's like leaving something on your workbench and you've been sculpting it for a while and you have to keep leaving it and going back and then it came yesterday and I went wow that's, that's so, tremendous tremendous going that is I mean you've managed to get a piece done that's took you 10 years that's for sure of it because I mean yeah. so, when I say 10 years Andy I mean I might not look at it for two years and then go off and do other things and then come back to it again you know so it's not it's like in and out for 10 years. Oh, no. I think straight away, if anybody spends, and you're sure you'd agree with me in this, anybody that spends 10 years working on one poem, they've got, one, they've got my respect, and secondly, I think they're absolute crazy. Because, like, <laughs> that sort of thing. It, I'm a bit of a dog with a bone, tenacious, I suppose. Um, but I, I don't know. It was the subject matter of this particular poem. It was about my mum, and I thought, I've got to do her justice. I have to do it justice. I couldn't leave it in a state where I wasn't like really happy with it and happy that I'd done a justice. So that's what that was, that's why that one particularly meant a lot to me. Do you know what I mean? No, no, straight away. Straight away I get you completely with that. It does when you when you're writing something that means that much to you. Yeah. yeah it, you've got to let it stew sometimes and build up your own pace. Cause yeah. I'm writing one about my my mum's side of her family at the moment and that's took a while to write this. Mm. That's still some distance away from being finished at the minute. So I know, I know what you mean. Sometimes you just you can't rush it. No. If you rush it, you, you've been dishonest yourself, I think, sometimes, no. aren't you? Sometimes some come out in a day, don't they, or two? And it's yeah. just lost. But it, so it's just, it's, it's, I love the whole, 
I don't know, a variety of it. You never know what you're going to get. You start down, sit down at a page and you, you think you're going to write about something and you go off in a completely different direction. You do, you go in a new subject, man, you find yourself on the internet researching something you never even knew, thought you were going to do that day. But it, it, it brings new work. It brings writing. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you completely. And it's, it's really, I think anything you write, there's no set set way of writing it. Every way is different. Because like I've, I co-run a living and formal karate workshop. And I can come away with two, three pieces and that, and a couple of hours in, it, in the evening that I nearly complete. But then mm-hmm. some like to take absolute ages to write. So yeah, it, there's no set pattern. So now I've got to ask you as well. I know obviously you've just had your you had your first publication come up, didn't you, at the end of August? I see as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, like because you know I was ill a few years back, and it really made me reevaluate things and really just get out and do things and not procrastinate any longer and not talk about things. So I've started sending my work off to, you know, the small presses, small magazines, publications. And yeah, I've had a, a couple of quick successes in there. I've been published in the Alchemy Spoon magazine that's based in Staffordshire and another uh, recent one in the Mechanics Institute Review that's about to be published. Um, so I'm just starting to really take myself seriously on this, on, in the spoken word scene and in the written publishing publishing scene so I feel like I'm a hybrid poet Andy I feel like I love the spoken word I love the scene I love the people I love the supportive atmosphere I love um the style the, the you know the fact that it's a narrative thing you're trying to entertain and you and the and the you know the elements of form that you get in spoken word um you know and it's it's a, where it's been descended from the beat poets were a big influence on me like Tom Waits Leonard Cohen and the beat poets before them um and then the you know the R and B scene and where spoken words come from and it's been it's been in our li- lives for centuries, so I, I like that sharing and oral tradition, but at the same time, I like the classic poem on a page and one an introvert like me sitting in my room having a one to one experience with a poet who's either living or dead it doesn't matter to me it all depends on what the poem's saying. And I love that that experience and that exchange too. So I, I feel like I'm a hybrid poet and I need, and I'd never let one side call the other because I'd tell them off, you know what I mean? But there is a bit of a war in poetry today. You know, people, oh, well, you know, in, the dish in Instagram poets or they're saying that the establishment's too stuffy and I don't I don't want those wars. I, I, I love it all. I want to celebrate it all. That's why. And that's why I agree with you completely. I mean, I'm always a firm believer of poetry. I may not enjoy some pieces more than others, but I'm what I do believe in somebody spent time writing that piece, crafting it. That and whether you like you're as keen on it as other pieces are, they've got my respect because it's it's art after all, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, of course. Now, where do you where would you like to see your creativity going next? Do you have any sort of ideas for yourself in the future? Yeah, I want to. I think I want to do more performance. I think um, I've got more more to learn, more to give more to explore a bit more and you know obviously because I'm a link with Manchester I started you know exploring a spoken word scene in Manchester but I've just started looking at Wolverhampton because I might be able to get to some of those gig nights as well um, so I want to explore a bit more performance scene um, I want to get uh, if I can a, a bit more known in the um, written word scene and um, you know try and start getting published and maybe get my own pamphlet together so that's where I'm heading but I'm trying to get you know, editors to take me seriously, you know, so I've got to submit for poetry competitions, poetry journals, get a bit more publishing behind me, building my website, 
So I'm kind of an emerging poet, I would say. You know, I'm not not quite ready. I, I, I feel I'm ready, but I've got to persuade others. <laughs> of course, that's always the case, same for me as well. So I'm always a believer in that. Like it's, you get there when you get there. And I think no no writer works at the same pattern anybody else does anyway, at speed. So I like it's, when you get when you get to your first publication, major publication, the collection, Mary, I suspect no one knew the archive I know you've got. You'll have about seven collections out in two years, probably. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I have got quite a bit. It's like somebody asked me recently, you know, you've been published. Was that a recent poem? Or was that? I said, actually, no, that was 15 years old. old. Wrote that. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and then another one that I've got published, only written two years ago. But, you, but there is that, Andy. I have written a lot over 20 years. I just haven't ever tried to submit it. And it's only now that I'm doing it, really. I think you do because it's dangerous. And I mean, first of all, it's having the, got the confidence to go get up and get it out there. Like mm-hmm. it's, there's people we know, like obviously like I said, it's, I think the way society's changed is like, it took me to my late 30s, once probably a bit beyond that, to really have the confidence to get my work out there. And like mm-hmm. it's the same situation for you. In my case, it was also a major health condition as well. When I became diabetic, it made me more focused on my writing. So mm-hmm. it, it, but you do is like, no person operates a certain timeline because yeah. we, we, we both know there's people that speak easy and I'm not going to name names um, that are a lot younger than both of us do, that's for sure. And they've yeah. been at it to say, say they've been performing straight with from the late teens. Like, yeah. I think was... about maybe it was times, you know, um, I did get a lot of encouragement from my mum, but the, the main thing I know is that you've got to take yourself seriously. And if you don't, if you don't, if you're not prepared to stand up and say, I am a poet, you know, that, that's a very difficult thing to say. Um, sometimes Some people find it harder than others. And I think I'm a bit of a blend between an introvert and an extrovert. So that's one thing. I don't like to promote myself. And then the other thing is, um, it just, I have such a respect for poetry. I felt like I couldn't say that of myself, that I, I am a poet. You know, I love it. I think it's one of the most beautiful things in my life. Uh, I enjoy it that much. To call yourself it felt like, Oh, I don't think so. I don't think I am. So it was. It was took me a long, long time to actually say those words. You know, I'm a poet. This is what I'm meant to do. Um, yeah. I think same for me as well. It took me some acceptance as well. And I think when you get, when you eventually realise, I thought, no, I am a poet. This is who I am. Then it's like, yeah, yeah, that's when things start to change for you straight away with it. So, no, I agree with you completely. Yeah. Good luck, good luck with Mary, definitely with that in the future going forward. So now I said so. Um yeah. well that's pretty well covered all my questions today anyway. So but uh, it's been a pleasure talking today. Now I know you're gonna do some pieces for us in the second half. So if people want to find out more about you, Mary, to conclude, where are the best yeah. going? Well, they could easily just go to Google. I find because I finally started to take it seriously, I've got a website now. So if you just Google Mary Cunningham Poet, it you'll find it straight away. Um, it's just being edited at the moment as I speak, so it will be published later. I'm just in the middle of editing it today. But yeah, Mary Cunningham Poet. And I'm, I'm on IGTV. I do some spoken word pieces on Instagram. So Oh, I've uh, seen them. I've seen them, yeah. I think they're really good. Yeah, I've seen them, yeah. I'd, um, I'd, I've certainly been putting a lot of, my, lot of spoken label stuff up on there, and they are great fun, they are, because I think it's such a good way of building your name up, isn't it, on Instagram yeah. using it? Yeah, I'll probably use the Instagram bit more for my spoken word stuff. And the, the website will be for both, like spoken word and the written word work that I do. 
So hopefully there's something on the website for people that they like, you know, because not everybody likes both scenes, but I like both scenes. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think there is a you can have a really good crossover at some time, definitely. So cool. Right, okay. Well, that been the case, and Merrick, we'll take a quick break, let you get composed, and we'll be right back. I'll see you in a minute. Thanks. That's yeah, Mary. Spoken me. Hi guys. Still here with Mary. She's going to do four pieces for us. Over to you, Mary, my friend. Okay, thanks, Andy. Uh, well, the first one I've got for you is called Taken. She didn't wait to blurt his name out as soon as she was able. I'd found this way of settling things that were stirring between her and the many men she was drawn to, most effective at holding them back. Even when they followed up with questions, directed to politely find out about him or to deviously measure her. It took grit to bite the airspace where playful words could have easily been placed to speak something inane, to break the spell, to quell the swell of murmur. Perceptible to them, she guessed, but so close to the surface in her, she feared her flesh like a ripening girl. So that one was a, Wow. <laughs> just about wow. the coffee, a chance in coffee encounter with this uh, new this guy I suddenly came to know and um, it was one of those awkward things when you know there's an attraction there and you think oh my god oh my god what do you do what do you do so it just came out of that <laughs> wow no it's got well I love what your story is Mary is you're such a good storyteller and that's why it's like you could see every moment of motion in that on your words how alone you could and I said no that's fantastic Brilliant well, I stuff. think we've been in that situation, haven't we? So, you know, oh, yeah. This is often what women do. We, we blurt things out. We go, oh, well, my, my partner, my husband, my whatever, just because we're, we're obviously feeling challenged ourselves by this attraction. So it's hilarious. It makes me laugh. But anyway, now next one I've got for you is um, one about a childhood friend. I think you've heard this before, Andy. Uh, it's called Kathleen. Um, okay, just one second. This was about a friend... Uh, who I learned who I grew up with in Stratford. Kathleen. I was brought up by a pack of boys. She would wait for me to call or sit meekly on her garden wall at the top of the road where we used to play. She would never walk into the pack. She didn't have a stomach for that. It used to irk me. Time with her was sitting, walking, chatting, acting out made up stories, mine mostly. And I always got to be the lead. It was sedate, except for when she used to let me jump from front to back seat in her dad's old abandoned car. She found me funny, I think. Would always ask on leaving when next I would call. I used to take my fill and go to climb trees, play hide and seek, swing from every gate and fence, ride a skateboard or make dens in the croft. I used to like the squeals with that lot. I had no idea what I was taking in. 
But now, when I look back and remember the way she peeked round street corners with me to check for bullies, the way she always took me in after I'd deserted her, her face and smile that thanked me every time. Such constancy and those diamond green eyes. I'm walking, still walking back to her. And she's running down the hallway to greet me at the door. Oh, that's powerful. Really, really powerful. It's you've, what I did really like about that piece, Mary, and you're right, you've read that speak easy before. And if people are interested, it's also, you can see a video of that on your Instagram feed as well. But like it's, you're not directly said it, but it could only be about Stratford, if that mm. makes sense. Because you can, there's a feel, whenever you grow up in places where you haven't grew up, it's so, you can often give the nostalgia or the feel of an area away without directly saying it. It's well written and that's beautifully written, wrote piece up. Oh, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. It means a lot to me, that one. Um, she, was, she meant a lot to me, I think. So I've got a couple more. Um, the next one I was going to do for you is, oh yeah, this is another Manchester Dawn. Sorry, I'll just get it. Um, and this is, I suppose, about growing up, uh, uh, teenage life in Manchester. So I'll start. Another Manchester Dawn. Sex is glass in suburb flats. A telephone box at the local shop. A double-decker ride past Pomona's stinging towpath. A bird's eye belly view for a cathode girl from a Catholic street. Metal Johnny's in Palmolive's yard. Blowpipes, decaying cleats, clinging on to the obsolete. Joy division, a new romance. Boys are girls in electric dance or three litre engines with empty tanks, anoxic anthems of synth pop trance, dry martini and lemonade, thanks. A pressing hand on stone, the flesh between brick and bone. Tip of a finger on bud of buddlier, tissues torn on a brown grey grease wall. God, that last line again, mate. It's made me shiver that one there it has. <laughs> oh, God. You, you, are, you are very good at that. Okay, people ever see you live, and it's, you can really, it's not, you can really give a real sense of, of emotion in your pieces by not saying it sometimes. Those last couple lines were spellbinding then. Incredible stuff. Thank you, thank you. I think it's the shock of it all. You know, when you, this is, so that's why yeah. I called it another Manchester Dawn. Thought I was oh. in New Manchester, but this is a different level of life I hadn't yet encountered before. So <laughs> we all go through it, don't we? Oh, so. completely, yeah. And we'll keep going for it level, 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 as long as you live in Manchester or grow up around there, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. right. And um, finally, I'm going to finish with one for you, Stratford Precinct. Great. Okay. So, Stratford Precinct. She was in supermarket overalls, walking home from a late shift at the traffic lights. When she turned and saw him on the third floor of the multi-story, still collecting trolleys. She recognized his silhouette and he looked at her, crossing over the carriageway 
He raised his arm in the air, signaled her to wait, then ran in the pouring rain to the red, amber and green where she stayed through spaces lit and unlit, ramps, railings, roads, until her umbrella. He held her hands on its stem, tilted it so that the cars could not see their first kiss. The night bus tires yielding and dissolving. Well, that last line dissolving is brilliant because it's like I've said before, Mary, both me and you were both previous of Stratford. And it's like, it's I, obviously, I don't know how often you go back to Stratford nowadays. Like, it, in my case, I'm up there as much as I can for my family. My parents still live up there, and my sister does, and her family. But it's like, every time I go down there, it feels like the area's moved on from where I used to know it as. It must be the same for you as well, isn't it? It is, but that big multi-storey car park's always going to be there. <laughs> I don't know whether they're going to... For the moment, yeah, because, like, it's um, obviously... Yeah, yeah. If you look at what the plans have got forward going forward to Stratford Bell, it does look like it's going to be changing a bit. And yeah, no, it looks great actually, and it's long overdue. I think uh, it needs that little bit of a, a life injected back into it, and I think uh, opening up to the canal is going to be good. Yeah, I do as well. That's unfortunately it will take away from our poems about Stratford, yeah. won't it? We won't be around my grimy, miserable Stratford anymore, will yeah, we? Yeah, we, we want the grime, <laughs> the dirt. But no, we'll love, we'll always have it in the memory anyway, won't we? I feel oh. like I know Stratford by its curbstones and its you know bits of patch of tarmac and things like that. I feel like that. I, I get upset when a curb has been changed for a new thing. I go, no, no, that was my curb. I used to sit on that. Can't change. That. Oh, it does. It's it's just bizarre because like it was um. Every time we won, we first met Mary over at the SIP Club in Stratford, which is now sadly gone. But I'm, I, I knew that before, and I don't know if you knew this, but it used to be a job club before that, and it was also, it was also at one point in a tailor's as well up there as well. So, yeah, above pants, pants where you got your first jeans, pants. Yeah, that's what I mean. I went, I went up there when I was 17, so that showed you how long ago it was as well. So, <laughs> but as I know, it still says memories, and that's what I really like about a lot of your work. is... They've really did their memories, but the stories that stand up really well, no matter how many years you look at it. So they were brilliant to hear today, Mary. So thank you oh, for that. It's been much thanks. pleasure. You've always been so supportive of me, and thanks for bringing me out of the shadows and helping me. Well, you next stage, Mary. I was wondering, we're going to keep Mary to keep coming out of the shadows because she's too good to stay in the shadows, definitely. <laughs> so, by the way, hang around, Mary. Obviously, I need to chat to you off mic anyway about a few bits and pieces. Okay. But it's been a pleasure today. So I'm so sorry it took as long as it has to get you on here today as well. Just, thank I, you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, anyway, guys and girls, that's it for today. As Don Callis always says of Impact Wrestling, stay safe and stay over. And we'll see you all next time. Spoken, mate.